if you're worried about the Falcons being an attractive destination for free agents this offseason, don't worry about that anymore. We'll explain why on today's episode. And we'll also talk about some of the reasons why the defense has been a little bit better these last couple of weeks, all on today's Locked on Falcons. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, and the a.k.a. the humblest host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. And guys, we thank you every single day for making us your first listen. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available Monday through Friday in a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Falcons on YouTube, and you will get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. And also check out Locked On Falcons. If you have Roku or Amazon Fire TV, just download the Locked On Sports Atlanta app, and you will get this handsome face all over your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And I know you absolutely want that. So download Locked On Sports Atlanta to get that. So, guys, today is uh, Twitter Tuesday, uh, so to speak. Uh, where I will be sort of answering some questions, uh, some leftover questions from the last week since we didn't necessarily do a, a true Q&A uh, last week like we do in the middle of the week um, due to the holidays and having some scheduling conflicts with the guests. So uh, without further ado, let's get into our first question. And it comes via email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com from Jim C. And he says, Aaron, I've really enjoyed your recent podcast as you suggest a more promising future for the Falcons. The ample amount of cap space fuels expectations for major improvements on both sides of the ball through free agent signings. This troubles me as I reflect back on NFL teams that went on a spending spree in the offseason only to see minimal gains on the field. Also, having a lot of money is really meaningless if you can't interest free agents in playing for your team. Why would proven talented free agents even come want to come to Atlanta, what will make us an attractive, an attraction after another mediocre season with the QB position in flux, your insights, please. Thanks. And Merry Christmas, Jim C. Thank you, Jim. Merry Christmas to you. Happy new year. All that. Um, you know, I, I think some of your concerns are, are valid concerns, right? You know, we, we know that historically speaking, teams that quote unquote, win the off season with their big money, that usually does not translate in the fall. Uh, and, you know, historically speaking, you know, a lot of teams that make a big jump from one year to the next were relatively quiet uh, in the offseason, at least in, in the free agent uh, market. So certainly that's a fair concern, but obviously time will tell on that. Um, as for being an attractive destination, you know, I am not an NFL player, nor do I pretend to be, but I have seemingly observed this sport for a long time. So I do feel like I have a good grasp of things. And basically in the NFL, money talks. When it comes to free agency, it's really only the older veteran players that typically are not getting these big monster contracts offered to them. The 30 plus year old guys, they're basically are, are the guys that tend to be more selective. You know, for example, like if you're a free agent and 
one team is offering you $10 million, another team is offering you $5 million, the $10 million, the vast majority, not always, but the vast majority of time will be where you ultimately wind up. But, you know, in that second wave of free agency, usually when the money starts to drive up, dry up, right, that first wave of free agency, those first five to seven days, that's where all the big money is going around. And basically guys are choosing their destination based off of who's backing up the dump truck, uh, the brings truck full of money. Uh, but that second wave after that first week or so is when that big money typically dries up and then guys tend to get a little bit more selective. And in that instance, instead of, you know, 10 versus $5 million, maybe you're getting offered three versus $2 million. And therefore, like, it's not that big a difference between your weighing your different offers. And so therefore, you know, where you're playing is going to matter. And the factors that go into that is, you know, you know, familiarity with the coaching staff, what scheme you think you're going to be best in, all those various things. But again, you know, typically for the the types of players that get the big money, the 25, 26, 27 year olds, they're just going to whoever pays the highest bidder most of the time. So um, I think the Falcons approach this offseason in free agency is going to be fascinating to watch, as is always the case with the Falcons in this new regime as we try to figure out what they're doing. And because for me, at least the last two offseasons, the players that they've added have overwhelmingly been players that this coaching staff has been familiar with. And I think some of that is because they've been bargain shopping, but I think a lot of that is due to, you know, what you hear from Terry Fontenot um, saying, talking about character and, and the players makeup as being the things that, you know, attract them. And you only really know that you can't really judge that from afar. Like we all can look at a guy and say, okay, he's big, fast and physical uh, from afar. But like, do you know really the character, the makeup, how he meshes with the locker room? That stuff, you kind of need to have a little bit more of that intimate familiarity. And you get that from coaching staff. And you look at the last couple of offseason, you go back to that 2021 offseason, look at the quote unquote most successful free agent signings based solely off of who were the guys that we signed that offseason in their first offseason and then brought back last offseason. Cordero Patterson, Eric Harris were the two candidates. And, and those guys had familiarity with this coaching staff in this front office. And then you look at this past year's uh, free agent signings. And again, whether you judge these guys as successful, whether you think these guys are going to come back. But I would argue that, you know, some of the more prominent guys near the top of a list would be guys like Elijah Wilkinson, Michael Pruitt, Rashawn Evans, Lorenzo Carter. Yes. Marcus Mariota uh, and all those guys, whether all those guys have in common, you know, familiarity with this coaching staff, familiarity with the front office with Ryan Pace and, and, and Terry Fontenot and all those guys. So it does seem like a theme that when this team has, quote unquote, hit on guys, it has been because they knew those guys. And you look at a player like Brian Edwards, you know, as one example of a player that they were not familiar with, but just seemed to admire his game from afar. And he did not quite work out in that regard. So I'm wondering if we'll see the same thing this offseason now that the Falcons will have the spending money to be flexible, to to go after the guys that they have admired from afar and be like, we'll pay that guy big money. So I, I'll be fascinated to see if they take the same approach of like, we're only focusing on guys that we have familiarity to, or do they sort of expand their search and be like, yeah, you know, we can now afford some of these guys that presumably still have that mental makeup and that character stuff that they value, but may not necessarily have the intimate familiarity uh, that they would have uh, otherwise. So that's going to be something, you know, that's going to be key to watch. We'll probably talk about a bunch of those guys, particularly when we get to the year in positional reviews uh, in January. We'll certainly talk about those guys in February and early March when we do in our free agent previews, all that stuff. So we'll talk about some of the players they have connections to, and we'll talk about some of the other players that they may or may not have connections to that they may be targeting. So I wouldn't be too concerned about this team's ability to attract free agents. They will certainly have the money. 
that if if it comes down to you know spending, um, you know, again, whether you think that's a good plan or not, certainly I think is a fair thing to ask Jim and, and be concerned about. But I don't think it's going to be too big a problem for them to be able to to attract free agents uh, here to Atlanta. Uh, now, if they were coming off like a three and fourteen season, you know, that we probably would be much more worried about that uh, than they are right now. But I think for a lot of folks, they look at you know this team as an up and coming team, uh, and, and you know certainly guys. They're looking for, you know, the, that big paycheck, more playing time, all those various things um, would certainly be attracted to Atlanta. So I don't think the Falcons will have any problems finding those types of players uh, this offseason. So nothing to worry too much about, Jim. Um, but we will continue today's episode talking a little bit about why the defense has seemingly looked a little bit better uh, over the last couple of games and why they seem to get better, you know, later in games than necessarily early in games. We'll talk about the quality of competition, if that's due to in-game adjustments, you know, spoiler alert, it's all of the above, but we'll break it all down as we continue today's episode, guys. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is the mobile game Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM, managing your own football franchise, well, your dream will finally come true because this is the game definitely for you. You manage every aspect of your team. You can play through a season, lead them to glory. You're hiring the coaches, the coordinators, trading players, drafting players signing free agents and the challenges the realism is great guys i know for me the first season you kind of can set your expectations make promises to the owner you can say okay we're going to rebuild we're going to struggle or we're going to make the playoffs or you know i pick the middle ground like oh yeah we'll win a couple of games we'll win like six games and i'm like we get off to a two and one start i'm like yeah this is this game is easy then we lose 11 straight and i'm like oh no i'm gonna get fired so the realism and the challenges are definitely there for you if you want to prove how knowledgeable you are by all means, go and download the game at ultimate-gm.com. And then when you do, make sure you use our promo code LOCKEDON. That's LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in all caps in the game store. And you will get a 100% free boost to your franchise with that promo code. Again, that's ultimate-gm.com. Or you can download it in the app store and use that promo code LOCKEDON. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. And guys, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Falcons, of course, your first listen each and every day and always have recommendations for what your second listen should be. So why not make it Locked On Sports today from the biggest stories in sports, go behind the scoreboard and behind the scenes uh, for the local experts that only Locked On can provide by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, we had a lot of questions. We'll get into more questions, guys, but I do want to apologize to many of you. Uh, that sent in your questions, especially the Discord people about last week's game. We will get to one in a second that is uh, from last week following on the heels of the Saints game. But some of you guys were asking sort of questions, like one specific person in the Discord asked a question about, like, can you look at the personnel groupings? And I'm just like, all right, look, I, I, th- th- I could have gone back and done that, but I, it just felt too tedious to me. So I apologize. I don't like charting offense. It, it's a lot more tedious than charting defense for me. Um, I did do it back in like 17 and 18 when we were much more concerned about the offense then because of Steve Sarkeesian and his play calling. Uh, but that will maybe be something that we'll sort of revisit after the season and get into in the offseason when I'm feeling less exhausted <laughs> from time and feel like it's not as tedious an issue. We're like we're in the middle of January and I'm like, oh, I don't have anything to do today. I guess I might as well break down the film. But so I want to apologize to the folks there. But uh, our next question comes from email that is from AJE. He asks, since playoff chances are basically non-existent, what 
would be your dream scenario on how the Falcons could end the season? And AJ, of course, asked this last week before the Falcons were officially eliminated. So, AJ, my uh, dream scenario is Tom Brady losing for the first time against the Atlanta Falcons uh, to Desmond Ritter. Like, that's that's the dream right there. That's it. I like That's all I think about uh, at this point in time. Uh, our next question comes from the Discord. This is from Spacebar. He asks, curious about the defense's success as of late. Is there something to them keeping teams in relative check the last few weeks, or is it just a product of the teams we've been playing? Also, I've noticed a common thread of the defense tightening up late in games to actually give the offense a chance to get us back in it. The Saints game, the Bucks game, the Bengals game, to some extent in the third as examples, what do you owe this to? Are they making schematic adjustments late in games? Are the players making plays luck? Not sure how to quantify it, honestly. So, um, yeah, this question came in from Spacebar on the Discord last week. Link in the description below if you guys want to join the Discord. Um, you know, I, I think I do have to mention the quality of competition and particularly the quality of the opposing quarterback is a big factor, right? Anybody who's listened to this podcast for like three years, we've talked about like, you know, a lot of that hinges your defense hinges on you know who you're facing and we talked about this earlier in the season where you know guys like matt stafford and tom brady and joe burrow in particular you know the falcons were able to come back to a certain extent not so much in the Bengals game although you're right they, they did fare a little bit better in the third quarter uh in, in making it a little bit more respectable but you know for the most part like the Falcons, because their pass rush is non-existent, they can't really slow down these quarterbacks, right? That's the only way that you you slow down the high-end quarterbacks. And to me, it's not a coincidence that when you look at the those three games in particular against the Rams, the Bucks, and the Bengals, the Falcons fell into big holes against those teams. Um, but you're right. They have been able to come back. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the last couple of games, like the last good quarterback the Falcons really faced was Justin Herbert. And the fact is that they were able to keep that offense in check, mostly probably because they were out there number one and number two receivers in that game and were mostly playing with back end roster guys. Uh, no offense to Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett. Uh, but outside of that, you know, back end roster guys. And so I think that helped a, a lot of ways. But, yeah, the defense has looked a lot better against P.J. Walker, uh, Justin Fields, Taylor Heineke, Kenny Pickett, Andy Dalton and Tyler Huntley. Uh, and again, I don't think that's a, a coincidence, although they did fall into a big hole uh, against the Saints. And th that's what's interesting about that game, because I feel like that was not supposed to happen in the sort of the simulation that we all live in, you know, where there's infinite realities. And, and like the simulator broke that day and the Falcons had no business falling into that, um, you know, 14 nothing deficit seven minutes of that game. And then it, the simulation corrected itself and so the, then the falcons were able to play a much more even matchup against that saints team uh for the rest of that game and that's how it should have gone uh but you know uh that was not how it went but you know i do think mid-game adjustments are a factor as well um you know they're not the only reason but they're certainly a factor i would argue i would probably argue and again you can take these numbers with a grain of salt but i would probably say like 40 to 60 percent of it is probably the quality of competition and how you match up against their quarterback their playmakers their offensive line their running game all that stuff and then you know some of it is the mid-game adjustments that the falcons are making uh and improving and, and some of it is luck some of it is guys are making plays in the second halves of games it's never as cut and dry as we like to make it out but you know you can use that saints game recently uh to to talk about one example of an in-game adjustment that the falcons made Look, early in that game they, they were playing you know a variety of coverages as i charted it 
but they were playing cover two a couple of times. And I did chart them as giving up a touchdown, the playing cover two, when they gave up that big 68 yard touchdown to Rashid Shahid, where Richie Grant sort of tried to undercut the route. Uh, and it looked like Jalen Hawkins wasn't getting enough depth on, on that situation to play those split save. That wasn't the reason why they gave up that play, but it's just something that I noted um, on that particular play. Uh, but as I charted it, um, they gave they played cover two three times in that first half of that game, uh, and they gave up 94 yards on those three plays, including that 68 yard touchdown. I think there was two other completions to Juwan Johnson in cover two, uh, and so the Saints were like three for three for 94 yards a touchdown, had a hundred percent success rate three for three on those plays. And so one of the adjustments they made is they stopped ca- calling cover two in the second half, uh, right? Like it was like this isn't working scrap this right and, and those are the sort of the adjustments that teams are making constantly in the game and those that's just one example of that so um you know there's a lot of factors that go into it. there's you know thousands literally thousands of variables that go into you know how football games are determined and and some of those you know seem random to us because they're just so you know they just you know it can, it can go either way you know like it, you know it's i don't know like I'm thinking of like electrons and, and quantum entanglement and stuff, but that's that's a way different rabbit hole <laughs> that'll go down. But like, um, yeah, it's just it's like some of it feels random because it's like so, you know, you can't the guy steps in the wrong place and slips in something, and then he's now out of phase and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think those are, are some of the biggest factors into why that is the case. But we will move on from this conversation. And we'll talk about, you know, this team's need to sort of rebuild in the trenches, focusing mainly on the offensive side of the ball. We'll also talk a little bit about Troy Anderson's recent play, given that he has started the last two games. Uh, And we'll get into all of that, guys, as we continue today's episode. But before we get there, I want to tell you about Prize Picks, a fun new way to play daily fantasy all you got to do is pick two to five players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry it takes less than 60 60 seconds to enter and the great thing about prize picks is you're not competing against other people it's just you versus the projections and they're offering projections not only on the nfl but college football nba nhl pga esports Everything that you can possibly think of, Prize Picks has it. They're safe, it's fast, it's easy. They're currently in operation in over 30 states in the US and Canada. All you have to do is download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com and sign up. And when you do, use the promo code locked on and you will get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. That means if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you another $100 to play with. So don't forget to use that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And guys, I got to tell you, can you uh, or do you have a portable speaker that can hang with the big dog? Uh, Big dog is a speaker system um, that can give you a portable Bluetooth speaker. And it's specifically designed It comes from Augusta, Georgia. So it's local and it can deliver that huge, clear sound with extraordinary battery life and tons of connectivity options at a great price. If you're partying with your friends or you just want to take or make a phone call, you know, Big Dog's built to do it all. It's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee plus a one-year warranty. So go big and try out the Big Dog Scout. It's their inaugural model. It includes a max volume of 105 decibels, 40 watts. It's waterproof. It charges other devices. You get 15 hours of playback, and you can pair two of them to get that enhanced 
stereo sound. The Big Dog Scout is now available online at BigDogSpeakers.com at $99, and you can get $20 off with the promo code locked on. For more info, just visit BigDogSpeakers.com. Again, that's BigDogSpeakers.com. So let's wrap up our podcast with a couple more questions, guys. Uh, Michael McCarthy at Mike McCarthy 76 uh, says, hey, man, just found your show and I think it's great. I'm a hardcore Pittsburgh Steelers fan from Pittsburgh, but I've lived in Atlanta since 2001. Every year I try to get a little bit more involved with the Falcons, but it's tough. Just some thoughts. The Falcons should focus on building the ultimate offensive line and pound the ball. Everything gets better when you've got a solid running game and your quarterback is protected. I don't think Desmond Ritter is the guy. If you made it to 40 without a tattoo, don't get one. Just my two cents. Keep up the good work. Well, sorry, Mike, to tell you, but, you know, part of the reason why I'm getting a tattoo is I'm about to be 40. I'm going through a midlife crisis. Part of the reason why I'm in therapy. So uh, I appreciate the advice, but, you know, uh, (laughs) I'm going to need a little bit more help than some of your Twitter advice uh, to get through all that. Uh, And the, the tattoo will certainly satisfy me uh and and make all my problems go away and i won't live to possibly regret it at all uh in the future but um you know i think when it comes to if desmond ritter is a guy obviously i understand people's skepticism with that and time will ultimately tell uh with that but i'm i agree with you 100 in investing in the offensive line i think strengthening the foundation of your offense uh in the trenches particularly is going to be the key to this team's success long term um, and that was one of the things that we discussed six months ago when we were talking about can this team successfully develop a guy like Desmond Ritter or develop any quarterback, whether it's Ritter or somebody else, uh, if they are playing behind a bad offensive line. And that led to a lot of the pessimism, uh, you know, the, the negativity uh, as, you know, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, that negative Nancy that I had six months ago. Um, you know, leading into the season. And obviously the offensive line has absolutely exceeded my expectations, but I do feel like the, our biggest concern right now is not, oh, is this a bad offensive line? It's now being complacent and feeling like, oh, well, the offensive line played pretty good this year. And I'm sure PFF is going to have them in their top 15 offensive line rankings because they're basically PFF's number one run blocking offensive line and probably is closer to middle of the pack and pass protection uh, than a lot of us, myself included, expected him to be. But I do think complacency, you know, can be our enemy thinking like, oh, the offensive line is fine and we don't need to worry about that anymore. And I would like to see this team continue to invest there, even if that means running it back with the same starting five. I still feel like you got to get, you know, draft a couple of players that you can develop uh, and improve the depth there. You know, the Falcons have been, you know, they've had a lot of injuries at the left guard position. But other than that, they've been pretty lucky so far knock on wood uh, and hopefully continue as the season wraps up. But, you know, whether it's, you know, using free agent dollars, using first round picks, fourth round picks, whatever, I would like to see this team continue to invest in their offensive line, continue to strengthen that foundation so that, you know, we're not having the conversation anymore about the offensive line being a question mark. Like I don't want to spend the last deck, the next decade, like we spent the last decade worrying about and complaining about the offensive line, not holding up, which was mostly the case for the last 10 years. And I don't want that to be the case for the next 10 years. And so that to me requires this regime doing something that the old regime wasn't necessarily willing to do, which is constantly investing in that union, constantly, you know, bringing in more talent and not trusting in, you know, the Jalen Mayfields of the world uh, to solve their problems if you get my drift. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, our last question comes from One Flew Over the Falcons Nest at Made2124 on Twitter. He has this 
uh, was an awesome show referring to the episode I did last week where I went on a, a big rant. Um, I think many times fans lose the business of football and what success is. Anyway, I'd like to know two things when you watch the All-22. Was safety play as bad as it looked on TV? How did Troy Anderson compare to Walker in getting more snaps? And obviously, this is in reference specifically to the Saints game, but we'll incorporate some of my thoughts on the Ravens game. Although technically, as of this recording, I have not watched the All-22, uh, you know, the NFL at least as I'm recording this, have not put it up available and, you know, owed to the holiday. So I'm not going to complain as much as I would any other week. Uh, I get it. Uh, but, you know, as for the safety play in that Saints game, you know, it, yes and no. Like, it was bad. But I don't think it was bad worse than outside of the handful of plays that we all remember it being bad where the missed tackles and the blown coverages right it was like those handful of plays that were obviously bad to everybody watching on television and outside of that i don't recall anything that really stood out to me like oh our safeties are playing poorly in addition to those plays it's just those plays they obviously messed up missed some tackles took some bad angles you know blew some coverages and that's about it um as for troy anderson you know, in comparison, especially to Michael Walker, for me, and this has been the case all season long, I feel like you're ultimately splitting hairs trying to differentiate between those guys. Frankly, I think Walker has been better when I look at his body of work this season compared to what Troy Anderson has done in limited opportunities, you know, coming off his third start in the Ravens game. Um, and we'll see what the all 22 says. But early in that game, like when the Baltimore was you know, running the ball down, down the Falcons throat throughout this game to their 184 yards or whatever they wound up having. A lot of times I just saw like offensive linemen just completely clearing Trey Anderson out of lanes. I saw that with Michael Walker as well, Rashawn Evans as well. You know, and I've said this a number of times on the podcast this year, like the Falcons linebacker play has been very underwhelming to me throughout the season. And the reason I constantly bring that up is part of it is, you know, me being petty because like I heard from a lot of Falcon fans all offseason long that like, oh, you know, one of the big things that was going to improve this year is we have linebackers that fit the DMP scheme. And like I'm always, you know, this is one of my biases, but like I'm always just like, you know, not to say linebacker play doesn't matter. It does. But. You know, ultimately, the thing that to me drives the bus on defense is, you know, how you play in your front end. Right. Can you can your guys hold up uh, against the run? Uh, can you get pressure at the quarterback? And of course, you know how your cornerbacks hold up on the back end and your safeties hold up, because, you know, if you can't cover these top end receivers and, and, and big time playmaking tight ends, like, you know, it doesn't matter how good your linebackers are, you know, how, how good they are at their run fits. None of that is, is going to be as meaningful as those things in terms of impacting uh, the outcome of a football game. So I I, I kind of throw salt in that wound for those people that to me were overhyping, you know, the improvements along the linebacker. I, I think they probably collectively are worse this year than they were last year, which I know is blasphemy to a lot of folks because a lot of people were like, you know, they can't get any worse with Deion Jones. And, and you know, I, again, I think a lot of people forget that for you. Aluakun, well, well, not, you know, outstanding last year was pretty good last year. Um, but, you know, the, the thing that stood out to me with with Walker and Anderson is like they're both willing to attack blocks, um, but they really struggle to disengage from blocks. And I feel like Walker is better than Anderson in that regard. And, you know, again, three years of, of, of experience versus one. But, you know, I, I do feel like if and when the Falcons are starting one or both of these guys in the future, whether it's next year or the years beyond, at the linebacker position, I do think it's a realistic possibility that both of these guys are are starting inside linebackers next year. Um, you know, this is why I think it's going to be important for this team to really solidify their front uh, and get better up front and, and get, you know, size and, and beef 
up front that can keep these guys clean because they're not great at sort of disengaging blocks. Um, and the cleaner that you can keep them, the more that they can go out there and make plays. Um, and, you know, we can we can talk about the, the decision to cut Anthony Rush. And I know a lot of people at the time were you know, being like, yeah, this is perfectly fine. Uh, I never really quite agree with that, even if you thought his play was underwhelming those first three or four games. Um, you know, but like I it, I could never be convinced that the Falcons were somehow going to get better without him there. You know, and obviously, they, you know, they dealt with injuries like Taquan Graham and, and whatnot. But like it just never made any sense. So hopefully, you know, obviously I, I don't want to sit here and, and tell any make anybody assume that I think, you know, Anthony Rush is the key to our salvation. He was basically a placeholder at that spot. But, you know, I would argue probably a better placeholder than, you know, Jaleel Johnson uh, would be. Um, but that is something I do think the Falcons are going to have to invest in. You know, we, we just talked about the, investing in the offensive line. You know, that may just be depth stuff in developmental guys that we can, you know, find, you know, groomed to be solid starters two, three years from now. Let Dwayne Lefford, uh get those guys in the building and coach them up. The defensive line is like, like this has to be a priority. And, and you know, a lot of people are sort of reacting to Grady Jarrett sort of, you know, saying the same stuff, different year uh, post-game interview coming off of the heels of that Ravens game. And people were wondering about what, what his future. And, you know, I, I think that's just typical overreacting to a player being emotional after a game, as we know Grady Jarrett to be. But, like, you know, that's a priority. We got to get this guy some help, right? We've been talking about this for a year now. Like, we got to get this guy some help. And it will be a failure of this organization in this regime like we talk so much about oh you know the last regime failed matt ryan and all that stuff we cannot have we cannot be having this conversation you know a year from now guys where we're like man we failed grady jerry like no we cannot have that and so if that means going out there and getting a 330 pound nose tackle that means going out there and getting another you know 315 pound you know defensive end and, and keep this guy fresh and let him you know let him cook let grady cook you know um, we we got to do it. that's got to be the biggest priority I, again i know you guys hear me talk about Bijan robinson it is not because i believe that you know that's somehow the biggest need of this team it's just like okay if you can successfully go into march and attract those free agents and get those guys that can help grady cook then you you at least have the flexibility that maybe in April, maybe again, not saying this is what the Falcons should do. I'm just saying I could see them doing it given their their track record of, of prioritizing quote unquote best player available and skill position players over some of these trench players. Uh, to me, it would make a lot more sense this offseason than it has probably in previous offseasons, because theoretically you have addressed these trench issues that we're, we're talking about on today's episode in March. And so that gives you that flexibility in April, uh, unlike previous years where you, you couldn't adequately address those areas of your roster. So, um, again, that's got to be the biggest priority. That, that is the biggest need. So, you know, when you hear me talk about Bijan Robinson or any other position that isn't trench, it doesn't mean because I think it's at the expense of the trenches. It means like it's in addition to. But, you know, to me, me sitting here coming on a podcast and telling you, hey, the Falcons need to invest in their trenches like, oh, OK, or really deep insights. Hey, you only I only heard that on Lockdown Falcons. So like some of that stuff to me is just so obvious that like you don't need me to talk about it. But, you know, sometimes we do have to remind ourselves that that is the priority uh, heading into the offseason in, in case that has not been clear to some of you guys that have been listening to or watching the podcast. But that is going to do it for us here, guys. I really appreciate you tuning in for another episode. Tomorrow we will break down the All-22 from this uh, Ravens game. Hopefully it will be available by then. I can't imagine it won't be. Well, you know, 
famous last word, but um, that will be the breakdown. If you want questions specifically to the, the film on the Ravens game, of course, you could send them into all the same places that people sent them in. You can send them via email to LockedOnFalcons at mail.com. You can leave a comment here on the Locked On Falcons YouTube channel. Hit me up in the Discord, Locked On Falcons, uh, and the link is in the description below. Or you can hit me up on social media, as other people have done, like Twitter, at Locked On Falcons, or Facebook at Locked On Falcons. And then later in the week, we'll be doing our crossover Thursday with Locked On Cardinals host Alex Clancy. And then, of course, Jarvis Davis of ATL Day One's podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, will be joining us at the end of the week on Friday to give us sort of our keys to victory going up against Colt McCoy or Trace McSorley against the Arizona Cardinals. Is that going to be finally Desmond Ritter's first win of the season we'll see we'll get into all of that as the rest of the week unfolds guys but really appreciate you tuning in for another episode of locked on falcons part of locked on sports atlanta make sure you check out locked on sports today and locked on sports atlanta for your second listens after you've made this illustrious podcast your first listen okay guys that's going to do it for us really appreciate it till then get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program